Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Sunday. Doing a little early this week. Talking, of course, about USC and UCLA. The Trojans beat the Bruins in the Rose Bowl 36-14. And who better to talk about the game? Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde. We like to call him the de facto mayor of Pasadena. He's up there shaking hands, kissing babies. We got to see him in the press box. We want to talk to the coach about what he saw. Do you have any questions or comments after the game, for the game, whatever, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can go to our website, peristylepodcast.com. We have all of our contact information there. We'd love to hear from you. you got some questions that have been sent in. They start You guys start, start sending them in sometimes in the second half, uh, but it was positive, so we wanted to uh, address all of that today. If you want to subscribe to the show on iTunes.com, just go to iTunes.com slash Peristyle Podcast. If you can go in there, leave a five-star review, that would be wonderful. Uh, leave uh, uh, some feedback there and also subscribe to the show so you can get it uh, every day, whenever we put it out, uh, right to your device. So let's bring in the coach, Harvey Hyde. What is up, coach? How are you? Well, first of all, Ryan, I want to say happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there. We're doing the show a little bit early this week so that we can all get ready for some great turkey or ham or whatever your specialty is. A big win for the Trojans against UCLA. And now a little turkey day and then, of course, the traditional game next weekend. And we have a decent kickoff time, right? A decent kickoff time. 1230 in the Coliseum. Congratulations to all the TV uh, affiliates for making this happen for the USC fans. Yeah, we actually got it during the second half, so we got to uh, tweet it out. I was like, yay, 12.30 game, because I don't know about you, Coach, I didn't get home until 1.30 in the morning uh, after the Rose Bowl. We are up there for a while doing our interviews and putting up stories and stuff. So it's uh, late late night in the Rose Bowl is a little tough, 7.30 uh, p.m., uh, but it's a nice nice kickoff, 12.30 on ABC for USC and Notre Dame. And if you want to go to that game, uh, call our pals at SC Tickets, uh, Southern California Tickets. So call them at 1-800-888-7287 or go to the website sctickets.com and you can get tickets for USC Notre Dame or any other event here in Southern California or across the country, not just sports. They do theater, plays, things like that, uh, musicals. You want to do that kind of stuff, concerts, you can go to sctickets.com or call them at 1-800-888-7287 and they will help you out. And, uh, Coach, I wanted the the first thing because you know the Rose Bowl really well. You're on all the boards and everything and all that stuff. Um, the attendance last night uh, was announced as uh, just over seventy one thousand, so it's the lowest for a USC UCLA game since 2010, when both teams USC couldn't go to a bowl game and UCLA wasn't all that good. I know it was a late game, uh, late start. It was kind of cold, uh, so maybe that impacted the attendance, but also. Um, the allotment of tickets for USC fans was cut by UCLA. So I'm not sure if you had any insight into how that impacted the attendance and did that kind of backfire because there was a lot of empty seats in the Rose Bowl last night. 
Well, there certainly was, Ryan, and I think a lot of it had to do for several reasons. Uh, first of all, UCLA has not been winning. And, you know, if you watched last night, the people that did come from UCLA left the game early. And uh, they left their team uh, uh, helpless on the field at the same time. And at the end of the game, they have these traditional ceremonies. And USC had more people there than UCLA. So and nothing against all you UCLA fans out there. But uh, you had gone to the game. The ones that did go already defeated. You got excited for a little bit when... They jumped out on USC 7-zip, and uh, it, would, uh, it was very unfortunate because when you're not very good and then you have a 7.30 kickoff, people say, you know, I'm tired. I don't need to go and fight the traffic and go to the game and then start tailgating when it's dark. I mean, how many people like to do that? Now, the Rose Bowl does its best as far as trying to get you in the stadium. They have lighting out there, but it's impossible just impossible to do now again this isn't all ucla fans fault and usc's fans fault uh, usc i felt uh well i know i think they uh sold and asked for 5500 tickets and they got them all what happened after that i'm not really sure if they asked for more or not ucla uh at times gives a lot of tickets away because they want to have people in the in the stands they give them to charity groups and high school groups and whatever, band groups, because they like to fill the stadium, and it looks better on television. It always does look better on television when you have a full house. But last night they announced 71,000, and I was in meetings this week, and I know how many people that they prepared for and how many actually came. It was probably 60,000 people there. People were spread out. But the people that were there had a good time. I know I had a great time in the press box and walking around and seeing people. The people who are there were solid USC, solid UCLA fans. They're going to be there if it's raining, snowing, windy, and cold like it was last night. And it was cold in the Rose Bowl. It really was. So it was a lot of reasons why you shouldn't go. Then again, and I don't mean to ramble on this, but I talk about this all the time. How can the Pac-12 allow traditional games like USC, UCLA to be played at 730 at night? It's it was 1 o'clock on the East Coast starting the fourth quarter. Now, really, how does that promote your conference? How does that do your conference any good as far as in rankings and, and exposure and all of the things that are necessarily to be, uh, you know, uh, part of the deal? I mean, it doesn't work, and it's all because of a poor deal that was cut by Larry Scott. Why don't we just face it? It was not. You know, they still can't get on direct TV, all of these things they put together. And, you know, you've got to be able to point out where the blame lies. The athletic directors, the president shouldn't allow this. This isn't good for their students. How about their season ticket holders that they try to say, okay, we want to sell you season tickets, we're going to raise the prices, but we can't tell you until six days before the game what time the game is. How do you plan anything? How do you know anything? You've got to be able to... First of all, I think you better take care of your alumni. You better take care of the parents of the players, the student body, all of those people before you worry about how much money you're going to make. I know money's important, but I think also your fan base is important too. So I will not get off this kick until things happen to, to make it happen right. There's no excuses. There's no excuses for a game such as USC, UCLA, first of all, being at 730, and secondly, not being the last game of the year. So uh, 
you know, UCLA has a meaningless game in going to Cal. They can't go to a bowl game or anything. And USC, of course, has the edge on that, but they've got a great traditional game against Notre Dame. But uh, it was it was planned to be 60,000. If they had a little bit more than that, fine. But that's what everything was set up to be, and that's what came. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, you don't want to belabor the point, but it just. Um, I don't. I don't agree with the the night game for that one. I mean, you, the the uniforms, the pageantry. Uh, you know, I'm there real early, so you could see the mountains and everything. And uh, but by the time you know kickoff comes around, it's dark, and it's just you know you might as well be in a dome. Like it didn't really matter, you know. Um, and that's not what the Rose Bowl is about. So. Yeah, hopefully they can kind of fix that going forward. And, you know, if, if the teams were both better, if UCLA was playing better, it probably would be a better time. But it's nice that the Notre Dame game will be, you know, 1230. So I do like that. Um, but overall, coach, I mean, I felt, uh, I didn't feel the kind of, um, angst, I guess, between USC and UCLA people on the field after the game. The players were very nice to each other and cordial and respectful. Um, I wasn't, I didn't get to be out in the tailgating a whole lot, but when I saw it, what I walked through, it seemed like it was, uh, it was pretty well, pretty well done. So I didn't, I didn't see the kind of, um, mishaps, I guess we saw the last time they had this 12, like 730 game where there were stabbings and all that kind of stuff. No, they've changed all that. And they've, uh, they've got that taken care of where they don't open up the Rose Bowl. They used to open it up in the morning where people could sit, party all day. And by the time the game came, they didn't even know who was playing. And uh, a lot of times people come down there. They don't even have tickets to go to the game. They just want to come down and hang out and move around. And then when the game starts, you know, there's problems that start. So they've cleaned that up in the past. The police department it, uh, has really done a great job in making you feel secure. There's n- there wasn't a moment last night I saw anybody threatened or any fights or or anything in the stands. It, it, it was really a a beautiful game for a beautiful crowd to enjoy a beautiful evening and be in the Rose Bowl. But again, it was, as you said, Ryan, it was, it wasn't the, it didn't have the pageantry that I felt it should have. It didn't have the emotion in the game. And it's very hard to come back after Seattle victory and to be at the same emotional peak as you were against Washington. And UCLA was playing for uh, nothing except possibly a bowl game if they were able to win their last two games. And I think the Trojans proved that they could dominate the game. They did, 527 yards at 266. But the number one stat that I thought that told the story of the game, Ryan, was time of possession. Just imagine this. USC had the ball for three quarters compared to one quarter for UCLA. 43 minutes and 47 seconds. The 16 minutes and 13 seconds. So UCLA's offense was never on the field. Never on the field. And the score of the game really didn't indicate what it could have been. Because USC absolutely stopped themselves. They really stopped themselves. They gave up two quick touchdowns. The defense was playing fantastic again. They gave up 14 points. Not fast touchdowns. But when you give a fourth play a game a touchdown and you break down and the guy intercepts a pass and you run him down and, if another second touchdown, that's, that's a total offense. They didn't run the ball for anything. What they run for a total of 47 yards. So the defense, again, is a big part of that story. And uh, you've got to give them credit. But the game just didn't have the emotional pitch. <clears throat> Excuse me. It was more or less a, a business trip for USC down and up to 110. 
And they went over there and they did it, and I have to give them credit for that because they played well enough to win in a pageantry. And I give them credit for that. Now they got to get ready to get up for Notre Dame because Notre Dame can be a real thorn in them uh, because they have that type of quarterback that can beat you, that can move around, that's very athletic. And UCLA didn't have that. So, you know, I wasn't really worried about that game. The um, Yeah, I want to talk about the game a little bit, Coach. And uh, we have some questions to get to, but I just want to kind of get your overall thoughts. Um, UCLA came out on fire, and it did kind of look like they just got the feeling that all the hype that was around USC and all the people projecting, hey, this team should, you know, could make the playoff and all that kind of stuff, which seems just really far-fetched to me. But obviously, the team's playing great. Um, but talk about playoff, you got three losses. I, I just don't see being in the top four teams in the country. Um, and that, and as of this morning, the AP and coaches poll came out and USC's up the number 12. And I think that's, that's fair. It seems like about right. Um, no one, this is not a team that anyone would really want to play right now. They're playing so well. Uh, I don't know if you were surprised at all at the way the game kind of started with, uh, UCLA scoring a couple touchdowns and, uh, you know, USC turning the ball over. Just not, it wasn't a great start, obviously, for USC. Uh, but, you know, they ended up turning things around. Did that kind of surprise you, like a little bit of a hangover from the Washington game? Well, you know, I don't know if it's a hangover or not, but I, I made the comments uh, that they weren't in rhythm and they weren't really uh, running and, and being who they really are. They got away from the running game immediately early in the game. They were throwing the ball an awful lot where they didn't have to, and they didn't have the same sharpness as they did against the University of Washington. Uh, they were playing at a different emotional pitch, and they were off a little bit uh, almost the entire game. They, You know, they, they were playing just good enough to perform and overcome some of the things that they weren't doing right. Uh, you know, UCLA ran a trick play. Well, everybody's going to try a trick play on USC when you can't move the football, and they got away with that, and they had a breakdown in the second day with, a Jack, with Jackson and uh, lastly on that first play for a big play, which... Uh, you shouldn't allow happen, but it did. Didn't get any safety help. In fact, the safety absolutely hurt the play. Uh, and then again, uh, giving up the second touchdown after the turnover, you know, gave them what you call encouragement. And what happens when you're a team that's a 13-point underdog and you're allowing the team that's supposed to beat you uh, to make you feel as though you can beat them, well, then they get up and ready to play. And it's very difficult you can't get ready to play ucla on saturday they probably talked about washington usc and you know you're there every day until wednesday or thursday i'm serious you can't help but do that i know coaches interviews and all of that are still talking about washington so all of a sudden you just can't say we've got usc you, you can't do that or usc's got ucla ucla can but not USC. So I thought they played like that, lethargic. I thought the defense came along better. Uh, I didn't think to, uh, the first, you know, first couple of running plays. I said, "What's going on? This team can't run the ball against anybody." UCLA, and they were uh, getting some big plays on the run. I said, "This has got to be ridiculous," and they did. And then they toned it down, and they were able to uh, curtail it. But. Uh, uh, you know, it, it's a game, let me put it this way, that game was a game that shows you how good USC really is and can be. They went there with not a lot in their package. They got away from what they basically do. They got back to it later on when they started to run the ball. Darnold made some great plays again, and, uh, I mean, he's absolutely a fantastic player. He's so dangerous. 
if you're following my tweets, uh, I don't know how many people you do, I kept saying, let him handle the ball a little bit more as far as on the keeps. They ran one keep, and he ran for about 20 yards. If they were to do that just three or four times a game, you can't believe what that would do to the running game at USC as far as opening it up. It was off of that. Now you've got the bootleg. I didn't understand why they didn't come back to the cross route across the middle that they did early in the game for a big play to Juju Smith-Schuster. And then they didn't really utilize the tight ends in the game the way they could have. But I guess they can get away with that, and they did get away with it because they were just a better football team than UCLA. And they demonstrated that. They blocked another field goal. They did things that kept them in the game, and uh, they they beat themselves. You know that, too. One time it was, I don't know, third or fourth and 40. I'm not sure what it was. Took them out of scoring position. but And they kicked a couple of field goals instead of really uh, getting in the red zone and getting those points. And then, hey, Ryan, what about the performance of Hampton coming in? Here's a guy that hardly plays. You hear us always talk about Hampton. I mean, why waste the guy's eligibility like this that is such a great player on maybe 15 plays the entire season? Maybe he's played more. I don't know. But it doesn't seem like And I'm going too long, so I'm stopping. He was, uh, yeah, Daquan Hampton was all smiles. He had four catches coming into that game, I think, for 22 yards and then ended up getting three for 50-something and a couple of touchdowns. He was extremely uh, happy, obviously, after that game. And, uh, you know, you can see why. Um, really a cool kid, and uh, it was nice to see him, you know, get his due. And uh, that's part of the thing, coaches, when Sam Darnold is able to distribute the ball to so many different guys. If someone like a Juju gets hurt, someone else has to come in and step up. And I think, uh, you know, Hampton really did that. Um, I don't know if the coaches knew how good he could be, but that catch in the end zone was pretty, uh, pretty spectacular. I couldn't have made that catch, right? I'm gonna tell you. He did, that was a tremendous catch. Followed the ball all the way in, and he's bigger than the DB that was covering him. He went up like a basketball rebound, and he just wanted it more, and he got it. I mean, uh, Darius Rogers has uh, made a couple of catches like that, not quite as spectacular, but he's done some great ones. And his second touchdown pass was nice. He's got great hands. Came over the middle, caught that, caught that pass, and every time a kid catches the pass, you know, your quarterback becomes a little bit more confident in that receiver. And we said this all along, and I'm going to say it again, and you've said it. I don't know how many other people have said this. They're a better football team than they've been in a long time with the passing game because they're not throwing to one receiver, as they've done the past six or seven or eight years with one receiver always catching 100 passes. uh, The receivers all work hard. They all run their routes. Now, sometimes uh, they didn't block as well this week. They started off not blocking well, a little bit relaxed. But uh, they're they're playing as a group better, and they've got to play better to, to continue to get good. I don't know. You've heard me say. Now, the kids always play hard. But I, every week you hear me say they've gotten better this week. I'm not sure that USC got better this week, but they were good enough to win the game. They definitely were. And, uh, Sam Darnold, I think, was a big part of that. And I was actually talking to my wife this morning about this. And she was like, man, he's like, and my dad called me and w- wanted to talk about it. My dad's a big Patriots fan. He talked about like Tom Brady. Um, it's great that he's able to avoid the rush. And they had a, UCLA had an early sack, but then he was able to, uh, you know, get away, um, after that. 
And it's, it's great that he can not get sacked. I mean, he has that ability, but I think a lot of quarterbacks do have that ability. It's hard to sack them, but usually if you pressure them, they're just taking off and running or doing something else. He's the, his ability to avoid the rush, not get sacked, um, you know, roll out whatever he has to do, but then, you know, find his composure and find somebody open down the field. I think that's what's more unique about him. I don't, when do you get your thoughts on that too, coach? Oh, yeah, especially on third down plays. He's so dangerous on third down plays. They know exactly if he's got to go. That's third and eight, third and ten. I mean, he could run for it or throw for it. The defensive, the defensive backs and linemen don't know whether to come up or stay back. But he can do it both. So he puts him in that no-man zone where whatever they do, they did wrong. And this kid is really a good kid, and he's going to be a great player and, and uh, because he has the ability to do both. And he's athletic and extremely confident in himself. And uh, sure, he throws an interception here or there, but it wasn't really, you know, I don't know why he threw that ball all the way across the field. But I'll tell you one thing he did, and I told Randall Cunningham once he did this, you shouldn't have done that is they're going to draft you as a safety. When he threw that interception way across the field and they jumped the route and uh, ran down the sideline, he made up 10 yards. That kid had the angle to the end zone. Darnold went across that field, made that tackle. If you remember, Ryan, about three plays earlier, he hurt his ankle. He was limping around out there. He had ran across the field and made that tackle the whole way. He went all the way across that field to make that tackle. So, you know, he's not just a one-way player. I mean, he's a linebacker. He can tackle. Uh, when I tell people, hey, he's got a tough kid, and you got to let him do what he does. Don't change him. See, I don't like to see people try to change a great athlete. Let him be who he is. Let him play. Don't tell him he can't do this or he can't do that. Yeah, you want to protect him, but don't take the uh, his God-given ability out of who he is. There's some definitely God-given ability there, Coach. Uh, he's been pretty, pretty special. Very humble kid. It's nice to see him um, make those plays. But you know, you mentioned the interceptions. He did have a couple of those. Tarek wrote in um, and wants to know how does USC cut down on Darnold's gunslinging? Gunslinging. I'm not sure you want to. I mean, just the fact that he's out there just slinging it all over the place, and you make some mistakes too. I mean, he makes what Clay Helton afterwards was like. Yeah, he's young. He's going to make some mistakes, but he does a lot more good than than harm. You know, I mean, yeah, there was there were some plays. And I talked to Tyson Helton afterwards a little bit too about some of the plays that you know that he was making, and he just makes so many good ones. If you have a bad one every once in a while, I don't think it's that big of a deal. No, I agree, hundred percent. Do you remember several years ago if a back fumbled a football at USC, never played again? Yeah, <laughs> I never heard anything like that. Now I think that was under Lane Kiffin and. Steve Sarkeesian, all of a sudden Buck Allen or somebody would fumble a football and they'd tell him you can't play again. Kids don't do things on purpose, fumble the football on purpose. They carry the ball the next play to bring back their confidence. And I think they're handling Sam Darnold exactly the way he should be. Let him be a player. Great players that make great plays sometimes don't make all of them correctly, but they make enough of them for you to be a a winning football team. So leave him alone. Let him come off and tell him and teach him. And you don't have to teach him. He knows himself. He watches more film probably than anyone else on himself. He's an educated kid in football. He knows what's right. He knows what's wrong. 
that one that got intercepted that, you know, he shouldn't have thrown that ball all the way across the field. But I don't know if he was told to throw that ball all the way across the field that they jumped or not. But that was a, that's a long out route. Now, he came back later and threw it again, and it darn near got picked off again. He got it completed. But, you know, you got to learn from those things, and you'll look in the film, and you'll see what you should have done and who you should have drawn to. And the next time, you do it. It just comes naturally. You do it. But you don't yell and scream at a kid like that. I, I watched Brian Kelly. He's ruined them darn quarterbacks and some of the quarterbacks has played for him. You don't yell at your kids all the time when they come off the field and say, why did you throw an interception? I threw it, Coach, because I wanted to. Oh, okay, I got the answer. <laughs> you don't want to throw that interception. But you know what I mean. You can read the coach's lips. What's wrong with you? Why did you make that throw? Coach, I'm sorry. What do you want me to do? You know? So you got to treat these kids. These kids are trying to win, you know. They are. And uh, he's definitely trying to win. So I don't think, Tark, I don't think you want to limit his gunslinging. I mean, that's kind of what makes him a special player. So if you if you just tell him, well, stop doing those things, he's not going to be as dynamic as a player. Um, and, you know, he'll get better. You know, you're going to make some mistakes, and he's done some. And I think USC can live with the mistakes that he's making. Uh, let's go. Harold says, Aloha, Ryan and podcast crew. What a game. The defense came out a little slow, allowing some runs and two easy grabs by Jordan Lasley. I was worried because the Bruins looked like they had more energy and better body language early on. Uh, seems that the big run by Ronald Jones sparked something and the Trojans never looked back after the adjustments and mental toughness of this team has shown a lot of, and this is in all caps, progress. Uh, Sam made a couple of dicey throws, but the same mentality also allowed him to improvise and make several drive-saving plays. Sam's playmaking uh, also got them out of some bad yardage situations created by offensive line penalties. It's been a pleasure watching the team and coaching staff mature this season. Thanks for all the, the coverage across all mediums. Fight on. Beat the Irish. Harold the NorCal Trojan. Yeah, well, I, I agree with you. Uh uh, let me let me tell you, UCLA came out scared. Okay, when you come out scared and you have success, you you get the momentum. And you, if you saw them, Ryan, if you were at the game, they're huddling up and down, jumping up and down, jumping up and down. You know, and all of this stuff. Uh, you know, trying to get excited and stay excited because they went there thinking, hey, you know, if we don't play good football, we're going to get thumped, which they did. But when they had that success in a play and played them close there in the first half and. It was tied 14-14. It gave them uh, some breathing room, some life. They said, maybe we can play. So they stayed excited. I never saw the Trojans really get that excited the entire night, from the sideline to anything. Now, what I mean by that, you know, they looked like they were on a business trip. They looked like an NFL team. They did what they had to do to win that football game. And believe me, you have to have those type of games. You really do. You've got to be good enough that you can win those type of games you're supposed to win. And they were that way. So we got to be a little bit easy on them, on that side of it. Uh, did they look spectacular? No. Are they one of the, still one of the best teams in the country? I personally think they are. Did the nation get to see it all last night? No, because of the time in the game. But I wouldn't want to play them, especially when they're ready to play like they were against the University of Washington. And I think they, that most uh, people that I watch and listen to that I have some respect for are starting to see what I've been seeing for a long time. A great roster, a lot of depth, a lot of, a lot of athletes on one team, 
uh, now being put in a position where they can be successful. I still think that on short yardage situation, they can improve that a lot. I don't know how many people watch it as close as I do, but when he comes up under center and he can see that the center is not covered and the guards are over the guards, either inside or outside your shoulder, heck, you just pitch your center's butt and you go straight ahead and you get your first down. Why in the hell wouldn't you do that? Well, on the first time they came out under center and he did that, he handed the ball off and they didn't make the first down. So you've got to be able to improve in the short yardage situation, I think, as far as right now. And and if you look at the stats, you'll see in the red zone, they've done well and Jones has gotten through there and they did score. But there's got to be certain little things that take you to the next level that now that USC's got to be working on. And they can't forget the tight end. They've got to continue to spread the field. They've got to keep the ball in Darnold's hands as far as his athletic ability and bootlegging, running the football a little bit, and then they can play with anybody in the country. But until you get to that and start bringing it to that level, and they can, then they, you know, I can't say that. But in my poll this week, and I don't know how many people care about my poll, and I just did it, I do my poll, Ryan, on the team that I have number one in the country is a team that would be the less I'd want to play, okay? Uh, I wouldn't want to play this team, and everybody knows who that is, is Alabama. But the fifth team in the country I have, as far as the team, when they're ready to play, and I'm saying ready to play, and they've got the athletes and so on, I've got USC. I've got USC. When they want to come to play, and they've got it all, and they're all healthy, and they're ready to go, on a Saturday, I want to play them. But they got the athletes. How many teams have those type of athletes? Not many. Now, some teams are really coached well. And they can play with you, but that's a team I don't want to play. Now, that's why I have them. You can agree or disagree. I have them over Washington. I have them over Wisconsin. Uh, I would think they could beat Michigan, but they've got, I've got Michigan right ahead of them. I, but I think they could beat Michigan. I really do. Penn State. I think they could handle Penn State. Colorado, they've already beaten. So, you know, I think they're a good football team and coming, uh, getting better every week. So. That's how I feel, bud. All right. Uh, let's go to Ron in Northern Virginia. He said, everyone can see that Sam Darnold is playing great and throwing darts, but the defense is playing exceptionally. My question is with Clancy Pendergast making in-game adjustments better than anyone since, uh, since Pete Carroll was calling the defense in the glory days. The most important unanswered question is, what are the terms of Clancy's USC contract, and does he appear happy and settled in at USC for the long term. This guy's a genius, and I hope uh, we can secure his services for years to come. Fight on and beat the Irish, Ron in Northern Virginia. Well, Ron, uh, I feel like you do. I think he has a two-year contract, but there's always an out on the contract. He's always been an NFL type of guy, but I think he's having fun. I do. I watch him at practice. He really coaches them up. I think he likes his kids and he likes his players, and I'm sure he's making pretty good money. And uh, probably living in a pretty nice area. I mean, how many people uh, have a better area to live than Southern California? So uh, I would hope he would stay. I would hate to see him leave because I don't think there's anybody over there on the defensive side of the ball who could replace him. And uh, so, you know, that's how I feel. And I don't hear any rumors of that. And this season has got to continue to move on. And uh, we'll see what's happening. But I do want to tell you this, Ryan. I heard that 
and you probably hear these things, but, you know, I talk to a lot of different people that Les Miles is going to be the head coach at Purdue and Steve Sarkeesian's going as offensive coordinator. So I don't know how many people have heard that or not heard that, but I like to tell people sometimes, not everything I hear, but since it has to do with a USC uh, coach of the past, uh, that could be something that could happen here in the near future. But, uh, you know, uh, you know, we could talk about that more, but why don't we leave it at that? Okay. Um, we'll go to our buddy Nick. Uh, he says, hi, it's Nick from Cyprus, a.k.a. Big, 21, Big Nick 21 USC from the Peristyle. First and foremost, it is awesome beating the living crap out of the Bruins. Uh, next, happy early Thanksgiving. And next, my question is, what are your thoughts on the play of Daquan Hampton, who is a Bruin killer? Uh, fight on, love what you guys do, uh, Nick and Cyprus. Well, we spoke about him uh, a moment ago, but let me just tell you why I like him. Okay, first of all, he's an older kid. He's had JC experience, and he's a big hit, big kid, and he can run fast. Uh, Ryan, you're at practice, and he's as fast as any, almost any athlete out there. Uh, and he's a big target. And when you have a big target, you can see those type of plays he made last night because he can go out and out-rebound players. And when you come across the middle and you're a big guy, your quarterback can see you, and you've got a longer reach as far as catching balls if he leads you a little bit. I think he's got great potential. I'm just sorry he's a senior. I really am. Uh, I, I wish he had another year along with the other junior college kid that came out of Riverside City College. I really think he's a great player too. But I think I, I just think that I just hate to see kids not want a red shirt. I hate to see kids. A play that only play a few games. He's going to play in the NFL. I'm going to tell you that right now. I don't know if he'll get drafted. He probably will. I think he will get drafted. And he'll play in the NFL. But I certainly wish he had another year at USC. Yeah. Um, him and Isaac Whitney, uh, I thought I kind of expected more from them. And, you know, I think it's hard when you have that many wide receivers out there. And they, I think, you know, they've expanded a little bit. You see, like, a Michael Pittman, he's the only freshman coming in. But I really felt that Hampton and Whitney would be uh, in there a little bit more, you know, and uh, and spread it around some more. They, a lot of guys are catching passes, don't get me wrong, but I just thought those guys would um, contribute a little bit more. And a lot of it is, and people get on us for this all the time, Coach, if we say, hey, this guy looks great at practice or summer workout or whatever, um, and then he doesn't do anything in the game. They're like, well, you don't know what you're talking about. And they're like, well, just because he looks good in practice. I mean, I'm, I'm not lying. I mean, you know, if you see that, you know, I'm showing you stuff, we put up video a lot of times of what these guys are doing. And Hampton was one of those guys that was making a lot of plays. Isaac Whitney too. Um, and then they just kind of disappear when the games come around. But you see that jump ball that was thrown, you know, from Darnold and he goes up and makes a spectacular catch. In the end zone, catches another one. I think it was a slant across the middle uh, for a touchdown. So he was doing his uh, Chris Carter impersonation. Uh, all he does is <laughs> catch touchdowns. So he's there. I mean, the ability is there. And like you said, he could be an NFL guy. Um, but just, it, you know, all we can do is report what we're seeing. Um, and that's what we were seeing. We were seeing some pretty special stuff from him. And I think fans got to see it uh, firsthand in the Rose Bowl last night. There's no question about it. And, uh, you know, when you have the number of receivers you have, you don't know if you're going to get that quality again. So you want to keep what you have. And if you keep what you have, and if some of these younger receivers would have redshirt, 
they would become a better player too. Then you could stockpile in other positions where you need help, where you can get three or four or five defensive linemen this year or more. Because you've got receivers that have redshirted and they're going to be around where you can stack uh, stock up on some of the positions you really need. But, uh, you know, today everyone is, uh, and I'm not just saying USC players, but when you got great talent, you're looking more to uh, what's going to happen in the future rather than what's going to happen now in the presence. And, uh, uh, and I don't want to bang people on that, Brian, but uh, I don't like players being able to come out as juniors. I just don't like it. Um, yeah, well, that's a debate for another. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's just my opinion. A lot yeah. of people say, yeah, but what, here's the way that people tell me, but hey, coach, what if it was your son? What would you do? And that's the best thing to tell me, but it sort of shuts me up. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, coach, the, uh, the defensive side of the football, and I got to talk to Elon Marshall. We put up a story. This morning, Sunday morning on uscfootball.com. I felt, you know, he didn't have a, a big stat sheet. Um, there wasn't a lot of tackles or anything, but there was so much criticism, uh, on Iman Marshall. And if you, the last three touchdowns, just so people know, the last three touchdowns USC's given up, uh, over the past two games, there's only three touchdowns in two games, you know, one against Washington, two against UCLA. Adore Jackson gave them all up. Like he got beat on three plays and that's why they scored. You know, he fell down once. Um, kind of felt he had a pass breakup and he didn't and he just kind of like was mystified and, and ended up being a touchdown to Lasley and then another one where I just I don't think he had, was in great position on Lasley they caught a touchdown but Marshall like you know he gets some penalties he's very aggressive and people just like say he should switch to safety I mean they're, they're just always all over him and I'm not arguing that he should or shouldn't switch to safety but I feel that he's been criticized a little harshly um, and he made a really good play at the end of the first quarter on a ball, uh, faithful through into the end zone. He went up clean, you know, batted it away, prevented a touchdown. And it seemed like that was kind of a spark for the rest of the defense. And from that point on, the defense I thought played, uh, really well. But what, what did you think about Iman Marshall and the, the secondary, how they played? Well, you know, I, I've been one of the critical people on his, uh, placement as far as personnel. You know, I have been and I have only because his physical, body is not one that plays corner to me to me his physical body maybe not even be a safety his physical body to me is an outside linebacker where you've got great speed and you can gain 20 pounds and you can play in the nfl but you can cover you can cover you can play every down he can play every down as a linebacker and he's got great speed now he made a nice play last night i was very surprised ucla didn't go after him I'm going to tell you, they went after Dory Jackson. And when you talk about some of the plays that Dory's made, he's made some great plays, tipped away some great balls last night. But remember the pass, too, against Utah when he slipped in that game, too, and Patrick caught the touchdown pass. Washington the same, and two last night. So, you know, but Dory did a great job last night on offense on two plays where you hear me always say, Stay on the defensive side. We don't need him on the offensive side. And I'm still saying that even with the plays he made. So you've got to save your energy for what you're supposed to be and who you're playing and be. You get better by playing that position. 
and you need all the energy, especially with his special teams and everything else he does. But uh, Biggie Marshall, I think, is a great athlete. I think Jack Jones would fit in there perfectly for him. I think he's going to be a great corner. And uh, when you don't play him, he's not learning to play the game of football because he's burned his redshirt year already. He's not redshirting. He's playing. And he could be a great corner, and you could get more out of Marshall somewhere else. Um, Coach, one last one for you from the G. He wrote in, he said, Coach, with Thanksgiving around the corner, what is your focus as the Trojan head coach going into the rivalry week against Notre Dame? My focus is got to win this game and get a little help. Hope that Colorado gets beaten by Utah. And and I want to tell you something. Colorado really played well against Washington State. They're 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 very very physical. Uh, They run the ball well, and when you run the ball, you're a good football team. And that's why their quarterbacks throwing the ball well because they have such a dominant running game. Washington State really couldn't run the ball. They they weren't uh, as physical as Colorado. Colorado's physical, yet USC dominated them when they played them in the Coliseum. So that just shows you the type of team USC potentially has. So, you know, what I have to tell my team this week is, guys, we don't know where we're headed. We might get some help, but we don't need any help. We've got to take care of our own destiny. I mean, we did play well enough to beat UCLA, but this is a game that's a one-game national, national spectacle. Why do you think they selected the game to be at 1230? Because they didn't care what Notre Dame's record is. Notre Dame can't even go to a bowl game. Their bowl game is going to be in the Coliseum against you. They're coming in here to spoil who you are. We've got to get together and we've got to, you know what. And uh, for some of you seniors, it'll be your last game in the Coliseum. we got to make that special. And you want to remember it on who you did it against. Then we sit back and see what happens later on in the day. And if we're fortunate, we might have the opportunity to play in the Pac-12 championship game. And if we do, we want to be ready for that. And if we don't, we want to be ready for whatever our future is. But if we don't take care of what we have to do in the USC Trojan football way, it makes no difference. And that's what I'd tell them. I'd say, yeah, we can eat a lot of turkey, but I'd rather eat it after the game and uh, and uh, get them going. I really would. Well, Coach, great stuff. Uh, obviously a huge win for USC. Clay Helton turned it around, uh, ranked in the top 12, seven-game winning streak. Got rival Notre Dame coming to the Coliseum, who's not playing very good football. Um, so we got a really good shot at winning eight games. And still, you know, I guess we should go over this because some people – I get quest- too many questions on Twitter. I'm sure you do, too. Um, yes, USC can still win the South. Uh, Colorado needs to lose. And people will say, well, doesn't USC have the tiebreaker with Colorado? Yes, USC does. But you need to be tied to apply the tiebreaker. USC is a game behind Colorado. Uh, USC finished at 7-2. and two, Colorado 7-1. and one. So if Colorado wins, they'd be 8-1. and one. There's no tiebreaker. So Colorado would represent the Pac-12 South. So in the event of a tie, that would be Utah beating Colorado on the road 
then USC and Colorado would be tied. USC has a tiebreaker and would go to the Pac-12 championship game. Um, now, there's still a shot to make the Rose Bowl otherwise. Um, if Washington, you know, say Colorado wins and Washington beats Colorado in the Pac-12 championship game, um, and if USC ends up higher in the college football playoff rankings and Washington goes to the playoff, USC would be selected to go to the Rose Bowl. So there's still a couple scenarios of making it to the Rose Bowl. I think USC is going to get a good bowl either way. It could be the Cotton Bowl. The very worst would be the Alamo Bowl. Um, but that's that's kind of my thoughts on it before we – now, that's that just my thoughts. If you have anything else, Coach, before we let you go. No, I think you explained it perfectly. But it all comes down to one game at a time, and this is what they got to do. And if you remember uh, the end of the season last year, the way that season and the way that bowl game went. And I think right now they could learn a lot off of that and saying, hey, first of all, we better take care of our regular season, and then we'll worry about what else happens after that. All right, Coach, great stuff. Uh, thanks for doing this on a Sunday. Um, always great talking to you. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, Thanksgiving. Hope you have a great one with your family. And then looking forward to talking to you after the USC-Notre Dame game. Buddy, again, thank you very much. I appreciate it. For all of you out there, happy Thanksgiving. Thank you very much for being a part of our show. And uh, take care, everyone. Be safe and enjoy your families. As the coach likes to say, huddle up and buckle up. And I hope you guys enjoyed this. And we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287, or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.